Today, uh, we are going to be continuing on uh, our part, uh, our uh, sermons here in Matthew chapter 5, and uh, this is part two on divorce. Woo! All right. I know everyone was so excited about that topic last week, um, but uh, the Lord has more to say about this, I believe. And I really want to be the kind of church that yields our agenda to the Holy Spirit. Amen? I want to be the kind of church where we yield our agenda to the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit has more He wants to say about this topic today. And so we're going to start back in Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. But then we're going to expand that out and look at some other key passages that relate back to this passage. Because, of course, what Jesus has to say here, we, we, we talked about that in some pretty decent depth last week. But I want to talk about the concept of divorce and what it means from the standpoint of covenant faithfulness in the scriptures. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 5 starting in verse 31. It was said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a legal document. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except for immorality makes her commit adultery and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I want to begin this morning, I, want to, I, want to, I just want to expose divorce for what it truly is. And I know that there's a lot of hurt that is stirred up with this concept. Some of you have experienced this and it was painful and difficult and you probably don't really want to think about it. But let's just admit that a lot of what happens in this world is broken and we've all experienced brokenness in different ways. And before we even jump into this, I want to affirm that if you've experienced divorce in your life, by no means are we looking at you and saying you're less of a Christian or you don't have the ability to reach your fullness in Christ because you went through that. Just like all of these other sins that the Beatitudes expose. The point of exposing these things is not that we would be cut down and destroyed, but that we'd be raised up and we would fully embrace the grace of Christ. Understanding we're broken and we're in need of restoration. That's the idea here. Okay, So I just want you to know there should be no beatings that of, of self coming from this. We want to look to Jesus. That's the point. So, so what is divorce? What is it truly? It is, if we boil it down to the very base of what it is, it is a breach of covenant. It's a breach of covenant. Two people pledge to one another, and that is violated, and pledges are broken for various reasons. And, 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 and I'm going to say a really bold statement, so bear with me because I'm, I'm going to explain this a little bit. But there has never been in all of history a case of divorce which has been necessary or just. I'm not saying it wasn't justified. Here, let me explain what I mean by this. Because I realize how shocking that statement is. Some people will, be, will say, wait a minute, are you saying that, that there's never a time when it's not necessary? No, I'm saying there, there may be circumstances which force it to become necessary, but it's baseline and for what it is, God created marriage to be between one man and one woman for life. And actually for longer than we can imagine because Adam and Eve weren't supposed to die. But here's what I mean. Divorce always arises from sin. Always. If both partners were truly committed to one another with the selfless sort of love that God has shown us, there would never be a situation where it would become necessary. You see what I'm saying? 
that if things were actually right in the world and things were right with us, there would never be a necessary divorce. So, so if we are all the way God created us to be, it just wouldn't even be an issue we'd be dealing with. That's, what I'm, that's why I'm saying there's never been a case in history where it was necessary, not at a base level. Now, what happens is sin creeps in, selfishness, which is a part of sin, all those things creep in, and they taint what should be a good thing, which leads to divorce. There, as I said last week, there are times in which divorce becomes forced and even becomes something that is actually prudent and has to happen. But it doesn't, at its baseline, it's not a thing which should be in the kingdom of God. And what I mean is, when I say that, I mean, there could be times where, where you have valid reasons. And I just want to point out that, that even though that may be true, the heart of the break is rooted in selfishness. And sometimes it's from one party, sometimes it's from both, sometimes it's just more one person, it's usually a little bit of both, but sometimes it's one person who's just so hard-headed and so unrepentant that they refuse to come around, and so your last resort is, I can't live in this anymore, and, and I have to leave. Sometimes there's an abuse situation. And, and, and I would encourage women and men who are living in abusive marriages, question that, okay? And I'm going to explain some things about that from the Mosaic Law here in a minute. But, um, but the thing about divorce is, 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 is ultimately, and I mentioned this, I, I touched on this last week, and I want to dive more into this this week. That's why we're dealing with this topic again. I felt like this didn't, we didn't go far enough down this particular rabbit hole. Um, the thing is that when covenant is broken, it is, it is an injustice. It's a great injustice. Because if justice means true balance and wholeness, wholeness and completeness, justice, everything is balanced, right? That's what we mean when we say justice. If that's what justice is, then all imbalances and all brokennesses, all breaks and breaches of covenant for all time are actually boiled down to being injustice. And we know that God has a problem with injustice in the world. Because God is a God of covenant. God is a covenant God. He's covenantal. That word is in the name of our church for a reason. Because we believe that God is a covenantal God and he's made a covenant with us through his son Jesus Christ. And aren't we thankful for that? That because of the covenant he's made with us through his son Christ, that we are able to be righteous before him. He doesn't look at our sins. He doesn't look at our brokenness. Rather, he sees the righteousness of Christ in our place. That's a good thing, right? And we are sons and daughters of the kingdom through Jesus Christ. It's covenant. Behind every divorce is you have one or two people who perpetually choose self over the other person. And that, that's what we're wanting to challenge. And, and I, I want to say this, because this is really important. It's not just about divorce. Divorce is the example. But there is an, there is an it's, every time we look at one of these, Jesus is sort of popping up the hood of our, of, of our engine compartment as humans. And he's saying, all right, let's see what's broken in there. Huh? Here's, here's your head gasket's blown. <laughs> 
You know, you, you got, you got a, a loose radiator coolant hose over here. You, you, got a, you got an oil leak over here. See, all of these, he's pointing out, hey, here's what's wrong. Here's what's broken in you. Here's why you're not whole and you're not operating in fully the way I've created you to operate. It's always, all of these things come back down to un, unrepentant hearts. Always, and, and by the way, when we approach all of these different scenarios with unrepentant hearts, always ends up in brokenness. And, and, and some of us in this room, we know, because you've experienced it personally, the shrapnel left behind by a fractured marriage. It's a terrible thing, isn't it? The pain. But you can divorce, but... You always have a little bit of each other you carry with you. Especially if you have children. And it's painful. So let's look a little bit about who God is and why, why this exposes such a great problem for us. We said this last week, and I'm just reiterating it again. He is just. And again, justice is this idea of balance. God is seeking balance. He's seeking equity, perfect unity, and anything which disrupts that is injustice. Now we can talk about it from the standpoint of divorce. We can talk about, you know, we can talk about uh, ethnocentrism. I don't like to use the word racism, so <clears throat> because I believe there's only one race in Christ. I'm just saying. Um, but 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 the idea of preferring one ethnicity over another, which is rampant in our culture and in the world. <laughs> Uh, we can talk about injustice from a lot of different angles, but it's all injustice. It's all imbalances. There is perfect and eternal unity, harmony, submission within the Godhead. Remember, we said that last week. And it's important because our identity, our identity as believers, is directly linked to who God is. We ask first the question, who is God? And then we can ask, who are we? We were made in His image. So I want to look a little bit at in Malachi chapter 2. Yep, we're going to the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 2. And I want to read this passage for you. Verses 10 through 17. Don't all of us have one Father? Didn't one God create us? Why then do we act treacherously against one another, profaning the covenant of our ancestors? Judah has acted treacherously, and a detestable act has been done in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's sanctuary, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off the tents of Jacob, and the, men, and the man who does this, whoever he may be, even if he pre presents an offering to the Lord of armies. Now this is sort of a preamble to this passage, but it's important, and here's why. Because we're immediately brought to understand that this whole issue is about covenant faithfulness. And the family is a microcosm of the assembly. The family is the, the, the proto-church, okay? The, the, in fact, our church and every church in America is really made up of a bunch of covenant families who come together into one larger covenant family to worship together. Dads, you are the, the elder of your own home. And moms, you serve alongside 
in a in, in, in a deacon role similar to the Holy Spirit in the Trinity and we serve together we lead together and we set the example for the church together starting with the home there's a reason why in the in the call to biblical eldership the Bible says that a biblical elder has to be a husband with only one wife and he's got to have children who love the Lord you know why? Because if, if a man can't pastor his family, how's he going to lead a church? But let me tell you this, that, 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 that the elders, it's not just the elders who are called to be that way. The elders are called to be that way as an example for the rest of the church. We're all called to live that way. Amen. All of us. And so the family is important in the kingdom of God. If it wasn't important, God wouldn't have created Adam and Eve and given them to each other and said, fill the earth and subdue it. Make one big happy family is essentially what God said to them. Family is important. Family echoes the Trinitarian nature of God, right? I've often said that in a marriage, and, and, and look, we're going through premarital counseling with, with Jacob and Melody right now. And, and, and we, we've said several times, and we'll say it several more times, that, that the marriage relationship actually resembles and echoes the Trinity of God. With God at the head, and then you have a husband who sort of sits in the place of, of Christ, right? The Bible says that husbands, you're to die for your wife. Lay down your life for her. And then the, the wife sort of sits in the position of the Holy Spirit in the Trinity. And, and, and she's like the wisdom. She's also doing, doing you know, she's, she's mutually submitting husband and wife to one another, but doing the work with her husband together, enabling, equipping, making things work better. Let me tell you this, most of my best ideas got better when my wife got a hold of them. It's just true. She's, more, she's got the creativity. She's got the arts and crafts abilities that I don't have. I got a lot of ideas, but she usually knows how to do stuff. And see how that's supposed to work together. And if everybody does what God created us to do, like husbands, if we actually are willing to lay our lives down for our wives, and wives, if we're actually willing to, to serve alongside our husbands and listen to the husband's leadership as a spiritual leader, not, by the way, husbands, it, I, I hate this because in our culture, sometimes in the church, men have used this and abused this as a way to dominate their wives, and that is wrong. That's not what this is supposed to be. If you're dying to yourself, you're not dominating your wife. You're actually giving up your preferences so that hers can, can be lifted up. You're actually... You're actually giving up things you want so she can be happy. In fact, your motivating factor is not your happiness, husband. It's your wife's. And, and ladies, it's a lot easier to submit to a man like that, isn't it? To actually follow his leadership and to respect him. It's mutual submission. Understand that. In fact, if you look at that passage in Ephesians, it, it says that it starts with the church and it says, submit yourselves therefore to one another. And then it says, husbands, to your wives, wives to your husbands in these ways. It's actually an act of mutual submission. You're giving each other what you need. Women, you need a strong man who wants to serve you, but who also is a strong leader, right? And, 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 and men, you need a woman who respects you and who wants to go alongside of you and, and, and help you accomplish your crazy ideas. And, and together, it's a beautiful picture of what the kingdom of God is like. Because here's the thing, in the Trinity, the Father is not saying to the Son, you know what, son? You're just getting a little too much glory because you died on the cross. You know? And the son's not saying to the Holy Spirit, yeah, you know what? I'm a little jealous of the fact that you're the one everybody's relating to right now. 
And neither the Son nor the, Father, nor, the, nor the Spirit are looking at the Father being like, you know, you're the head of this thing, and we just really want to crack at that. See what I'm saying? Within the Godhead, within the Trinity, there's an eternal mutual submission, and everybody's just cool with their role because they're content with who they are. You know who you are in Christ. You're going to be okay with wherever you are in life. And, and if you truly are the kind of person God created you to be, let me just say, if you're pursuing that, you can have a strong marriage, and we'll have a strong church. You know, one of the main reasons, you know, Pastor, Pastor Richard brought up the family. One of the main reasons the enemy attacks the family is because if the family's under attack, the church is weakened. If marriages are breaking up, the church loses some of its strength. And so uh, we don't want to stand for that, church. We're not going to stand for that. And by the way, I'll say to the devil, you're not going to have my marriage. I'm going to fight for it. And, and if every one of us takes that kind of responsibility... And we know our sin, and we know, look, husband, we know where we've been passive just like Adam. Right? Like Adam was hanging out with Eve when she ate the fruit, and he didn't say jack squat to her. He just let it happen. How do we know that? Because the Bible says that she gave some to her husband who was with her. He was just hanging out there. He knew the covenant. He knew what God said. He should have been covering his wife and saying, hey, listen, babe, that snake's an idiot. <laughs> you don't listen to him because here's what God told us and it's, the, and it's the truth. Put him down. We're not listening to the serpent. But that's not what he did. Adam was not the man he, that God called him to be. He did not stand up for his wife. He did not protect her. He did not cover her. He was probably afraid he might offend her or, or that, that, that she might run off with the snake. I don't know what was going on there. But... <laughs> But, but in that moment, because he did not do what God called him to do, he was passive. I mean, here we are today, <laughs> dealing with all the issues we're dealing with. And gas prices are going up. I'm, I, I'm, I don't know what to say. It's, it's, the world is a broken place. Have you guys seen the cars I drive? I can't have gas prices going up. Anyway, I'm going to have to get an electric car. Um, it, it's, it's just it's, it's crazy how broken the world is, and it really boils down to the first broken family. But it didn't have to be that way. That's not how God created us to be. He created us to live in this perfect, mutually submissive, loving, serving, giving ourselves to one another sort of a relationship with our spouse. And that's what families are supposed to be like. Parents to children, children to parents. And then the larger church, which is just a big family, it should be the same way. We should be loving one another and serving one another. See, divorce is such a big problem because it exposes something ultimately broken in us. I didn't even finish the rest of this passage yet. Okay, verse 13. He says, so, so the idea of covenant faithfulness, right, that's important. And because Malachi is saying, hey, you are breaking covenant. You're breaking covenant by not honoring God and his word. Now, here he goes on. He says, this is another thing that you do. You are covering the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer respect, respects your offerings or receives them gladly from your hands. And you ask, why? Because even though the Lord has a witness between you and the wife of your youth, you have acted treacherously, tre treacherously against her. She was your marriage partner and your wife by covenant. Didn't God make them one and give them a portion of spirit? Why is the one 
seeking godly offspring. So watch yourselves carefully. Uh, watch yourselves carefully so that no one acts treacherously against the wife of his youth. If he hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord of Israel, he covers his garment with injustice, says the Lord of armies. Therefore, watch yourselves careful, carefully and do not act treacherously. You have wearied the Lord with your words, and you ask, how have we wearied him? When you say everyone who does what is evil is good in the Lord's sight, and he is delighted with them, or else... Where is the God of justice? You see, the ultimate problem here, it's not that there are divorces themselves. It's that we are a faithless people. And our faithlessness shows symptoms in broken relationships. It shows symptoms in the fact that we don't honor God. But the fact that we don't honor God is, it's really, it's kind of, it's the ultimate thing, right? It's the ultimate sickness. And all these other things are symptoms of that. And, and we've said before that sin is evidence of soul rot. We've been separated from our Father. We're like a branch that's cut off from the tree and we're withering away. So what has God done about all this? I mean... Consider this, if there were no injustice in the world, then there would be no divorce. Because it would be a whole world, complete. There'd be no broken relationships, especially the foundational ones in society, such as the family. But that's not the kind of world that we live in, is it? No, we live in a world where there's so many broken relationships. And, 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 and where people are choosing to not even be married because they don't, they don't even want to have to deal with it. Or they're choosing to get into situations where they're marrying in a way that they that can't bring about children and families. I don't need to elaborate, but a lot of our marriage today is not about covenant it's not about submission to God. It's not about making a better world. It's all about self-pleasure. And what do I want? It's more perpetuation of the brokenness. And it just keeps happening over and over again. Because God is just, He will not allow injustice to stand. Now that, that could be bad news, right? <laughs> Depending on where you're standing. But it doesn't stop there. And we know this so well. But we know that because God loves us, that he's willing to do what must be done in order to repair what is broken in us, even if it causes him the most extreme pain. We know. We've said this many times before, but the cross wasn't as much about the nails and the tree and the crown of thorns and the death by asphyxiation, horrible, excruciating death. But that external death that Jesus experienced was nothing like the spiritual death he experienced when the Father turned his face away. I think that the reason God put 
Christ on the cross was so we could see a physical representation of what was going on. But there is no physical representation, how, no matter how gory and gross, that could really give us the fullness of understanding of what it was really like for the Father to crush His only Son. You know, the Bible tells us that the Father poured all of His wrath over all of our sins on Christ in a matter of hours. What would eternity in hell be like for all of humanity? Christ experienced in a matter of hours. Now, why did he do it? Well, Paul tells us he did it for the joy set before him. Because what Christ saw was he saw his creation. And make no mistake that the God who spoke all things into existence, his name is Jesus. How do we know that? Because, well, we know that Paul tells us in Colossians that through him all things were created. And we also know if there's vocal cords and a spoken word, there's a body present and Christ is God in the flesh. And we know there were audible words uttered on the day of creation. Jesus opened his mouth at the Father's command and he said, let there be light. And there was and so forth and so on, until Christ in flesh, whatever that heavenly body looked like, I don't know, but gathered up some clay and made a man and breathed life into him. When God made us, he said, let us make man in our own image. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit looked down upon Adam and, and, and they said this one's like us we're giving him some of our essence some of our some of the stuff that makes us one God is somehow going in this guy I don't fully understand how that all works but here's what I know we're really important to God no creature in all of the universe no angel no animal no UFO flying alien from another planet that some people believe in. I don't know. No, no creature in all of the universe bears the image of God like we do. So what has God done? Je Jesus looks down upon this. The Son and the Father and the Spirit Throughout, through eternity, I don't know when they made this plan, but we know before the foundation of the earth, Paul says, that God already had a plan to save us. And matter of fact, he already had you and me in his mind. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand how big God is. I don't get it. I don't understand how he could have every life that was going to be saved already in his mind. But he already knew you and I before the foundation of the world. And you know what's crazy? is He, was, he said, you know, son, the father said to the son, you know, Susie's going to, she's going to be alive eons from now. I think she's worth dying for, don't you? Hey, Crystal's going to be alive, you know, years and years down the road. I think she's worth dying for, don't you? Yeah. Jacob, 
I could name everybody in this room off and the same thing would be true. Every single one of you and me, Jesus thought was worth spilling his blood for. We are hopeless in our sin nature. And can I just be honest with you? It's impossible for us to change on our own. We can't do it. I spent a lot of years trying. Can I just be honest with you? Because I knew about religion. And I knew a lot about the Bible. I even knew the Lord. But I still spent a lot of years trying to do this on my own. And it wasn't until I learned that I had to release that and trust in Jesus, just fall in his arms, that I actually started getting better. (laughs) Things in my life started to change. I started realizing that I was actually being lifted up and I wasn't climbing. In Isaiah 59, God acknowledges the brokenness of the world. He says, hey, this place is real messed up. He describes it as a place where people growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. Where, where we grope around walls like blind people. So that's what the world is like. It's full of injustice. And he says, truth is lacking and whoever, whoever stands for truth makes himself a prey for the rest of the world. Sound familiar? That's not new, by the way. Isaiah was prophesying that a long time ago. The world hasn't changed. We're just louder than we used to be. We got social media and newspapers. So we hear about all the bad stuff, but the world's always been bad. Solomon actually says that it's foolish to say, to to, to think on, on past times as better than these. I love that. Because it's true. It was always broken. We said, you know, in Jesus' time, divorce was actually probably more rampant and easier to get. And women couldn't file for it. It was men who had all the power. And a man could just send his wife away for whatever reason. And that's what Malachi was so upset about. That's why the, his, the, the prophetic word came. And he said, this is injustice for you men to send your wives away and not be faithful to them. That would ruin a woman's life in those days, by the way. The man sent her away, she, she probably wouldn't find another husband. A lot of those women just ended up in prostitution because that's all they could do. Or, or and, and, and they considered it to be a, a, a favor to give them a certificate of divorce so they could prove they were divorced and they weren't an adulteress. They thought they were doing her a favor. Now we know that that was a gross misunderstanding of the law. Because the law is about covenant faithfulness. So what has God done? Even though we're hopeless, even though it's impossible for us to change or obey Jesus' teaching here in this passage, divorce honestly can't be rare in this world simply because people love themselves too much and they're bound up in sin. So Christ died on the cross to smash this reality into pieces so that we might experience true restoration through him. He came to bust through our sin nature so that we could have a new life. It's almost like we were put inside a shell that we can't get out of. And Christ came and he busted that out. See, people think that when they follow Christ, that puts them in a box. They don't realize that they're in the box. They need to get out of the box. 
Christ busts you out of that box. And for the first time, once you know Jesus, you can actually see what is true. It's hard to recognize a box when you can't see it. It's like that Jim Carrey movie, The Truman Show. That guy never knew he was living inside a movie. If you haven't seen that, it's a good one. I'm just saying. Um, it's a good one. But like it, it, in that movie, he thinks he's living just a normal life, he, he's, but he doesn't realize he's a rea- reality TV show star. His whole life is just being filmed. And when he starts to see these little weird things, he starts to realize something's off. But it's not until he sees the big picture that he actually realizes how messed up his world actually was. That's how we are apart from Christ. So we are a people who practice injustice like our father Adam. But we've been called to leave that behind for a holistic life in Christ. One where everything is set straight. I want to give you this quote from Dallas Willard's book, The Divine Conspiracy. And this is my second week in a row for a Dallas Willard quote, so I'm pretty proud of that. Um, He is my favorite writer other than the the writers of Scripture, I'm just saying. But... um, He says, it's not an accident that Jesus deals with divorce after having dealt with anger, contempt, and obsessive desire. Just ask yourself how many divorces would occur and in how many cases the question of divorce would would never even have arisen if anger, contempt, and obsessive fantasized desire were eliminated. The answer is, of course, hardly any at all. And he he further elaborates in, in that chapter of the book on the Beatitudes that Jesus' teaching on divorce in Matthew 11, 11 um, you know, that, that even the grounds for divorce and everything that he talks about in the Mosaic Law, it can, can really be summed up as the idea of uncleanness. When a marriage becomes unclean, sometimes you can't save it. If you have someone in that marriage who is, who is um, you know, just angry, who's mean, someone who is perpetually abusing their spouse, someone who's perpetually committing adultery and they're not repenting, okay, you probably have a place where you can't salvage that marriage. But, again, it should be rare. And what Christ is calling us to is lives committed to covenant faithfulness. Now, I can't control what my spouse does, but I can control what I do. And I can walk by the Spirit. And the Bible says if I walk by the Spirit, I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So I can choose to be the man God created me to be. You can choose to be the man or the woman God created you to be. And can I tell you, you can't do it on your own, but you have the Holy Spirit. And Jesus knows how to help you live the way he's called you to live. He's not just giving us a set of instructions and then saying, all right, have a fun time, kids. Come talk to me once you've got it done. That's not what he's doing. No, he says, here's how I'm calling you to live. Now, Now let me get down there in the trenches with you. And let's do this together. Now how do we actually do this? Let me tell you, uh, we've got to commit ourselves to Christ. And I'm not just talking about that commitment you made when when you repented and believed the gospel. I mean, that's great. I'm glad that you had that experience. I'm glad you were baptized. And if you haven't been baptized, we need to talk about that. But, but, but I'm glad you've had all that in your life where you said, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you, and I'm, I'm your child now. I repent of my sins. I, you know, maybe you accepted Jesus into your heart. Great. He wants to be in there. But can I tell you that that's just the starting point. We got to choose Jesus every day. And, and, and if you have 
trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, can I tell you that the Bible says, as a matter of fact, you have the Holy Spirit. Now, listen, I know that we're all from an evangelical, you know, charismatic, Baptistical background. We don't know who we are, right? We just love Jesus around here, okay? We love Jesus. We want to, we want to live the New Testament kind of a Christian life. We're passionate about the Bible. We want to know God. We want to live out the kind of life that we see exemplified here. Am I right? That's what we're about in this church. That's why we're called New Covenant Fellowship. We want to be a New Covenant Fellowship. But, but here's the thing. You don't have to feel the Holy Spirit to know that He's there. I want to encourage you with that. Sometimes I think in, in today's modern Christianity, we get this mindset, boy, I just got to feel the Spirit. Man, I'm not really feeling the Spirit today. Jesus said the Spirit would be with you. Do you trust Him? Sometimes we got to trust that He's there whenever we're walking blind and just trust it that, that the next step that we take is going to be on solid ground because the Spirit is going before me, even if I don't feel that He is. I'm just standing on the promises of God. Amen? Sometimes that's what we got to be about. I trust that He's going in front of me. I trust that He's moving in front of me. I trust that He is advocating for me in heaven, even though I am full of hurts and hang-ups and I'm always messing things up. At the end of the day, here's the thing. Divorce really sheds a light on the fact that we struggle with covenant faithfulness. And people who struggle with covenant faithfulness may not believe that God is as faithful as God says He is. We may have a hard time trusting other people. We may have a hard time trusting God. We may say, well, you know, um, God might fall out of love with me because I've done this, this, and this. Because all of our thoughts about love are based on feelings and emotions and not based on promises and truth. And feelings and emotions are okay. I'm not anti-emotional. Like, I'm totally cool with feeling happy and all those things. I like to feel in love with my wife. But even on days when she gets on my nerves or I'm on her nerves, you know that something that I, I've just resolved that I'm choosing to love her. And I'm working on it. And she's working on it. We all are supposed to be working on it. We just trust that God is good and that God loves us. So, yeah, it's hard for us to understand all of this, and that's okay. Sometimes we're just walking on trusting in the Lord. But here's what I find in me. I find that when I let myself go and I walk towards Christ and I trust in Christ, that's when I find victory. When I'm trusting in Him and not in me. What Christ is calling us to is a life of utter wholeness. But He doesn't just call us he knows how to get there, and He wants to take us there. Do we trust Him to do that? Can we trust Him? Can we trust that He's actually sent the Holy Spirit? Even if I don't feel the Holy Spirit every day, He's with me. He's there. And so, can I walk with Him? Can we walk with Him every day? Like, that's something we have to work on. And, and, and we do it through engaging God's Word, and we do it through prayer even when we don't feel like it, even when we think God isn't listening, we trust that He is because He says He is. We take baby steps towards God 
every time we choose him over ourselves. And there's something supernatural that happens in the midst of that. I can't fully explain to you. I just know I experience it on a regular basis. So what do we do? If we want to be whole, then we have to come to the only one who can make us whole. We need to understand that this whole issue of divorce is really stirring up and exposing injustice in our hearts. Unequal balances, unfaithfulness in our hearts. What's the cure for all that? We need to be made new in Christ. We've got to acknowledge injustice in the world and in our relationships personally. Think about, if you're married, think about your marriage. Are there unequal balances in your marriage right now? Is there a way that you're relating to your spouse which is just not in alignment with the way of Christ? I'm not saying you're on the verge of divorce, but, but just because you don't go all the way and get a divorce doesn't mean there isn't the spirit of divorce in your marriage. And that has to be healed. We have to acknowledge where that exists. We've got to acknowledge our part in the brokenness, not just in marriages, but also in the world. This world, I, I said last week, the world has divorced God. We are a part of that. Are we living in a way, is there any part of our lives that is still living with a divorced mindset towards God, separated from Him? That has to be rectified. We have, we have to acknowledge it and mourn it. And then we have to believe that Jesus can make it whole again. He can make us whole. If there's brokenness in your marriage, can I tell you right now, Jesus can restore that. But you've got to acknowledge it. You've got to bring it out in the open. You have to repent and walk to him. He will heal your marriage. He will also heal you and I and our brokenness. And I've read the end of the book. He's going to heal the world. The big question is, are we going to be a part of that healed world? You know? Are we going to start living like that world is healed today, even though we don't see that it's a finished product yet, but we know what's coming, just like we don't always feel the Holy Spirit, but we trust he's there? We don't always see that the world is being restored, but we trust Jesus is doing it. And so we want to act the part. We've got to turn our way and our will over to the Holy Spirit to be reformed into the person that God made us to live. So I want to encourage us to live with that mindset. I didn't even give you the title this morning because I wanted to wait. I titled this sermon, The Heart of Divorce Versus the Heart of the Kingdom. The Heart of the Kingdom is about covenant faithfulness and the pursuit of God, the pursuit of other people because we love God. We don't want to have a, the heart of divorce, which is about separation and breaking and self-centeredness. Rather, we want to have the heart of the kingdom, which is about turning away from self and repentance. I'm going to encourage us to take that away today. And ask questions about your life. Let's, let's do it this week. Let's not just take this and be like, oh, nice sermon. So nice to get to have a sermon today. I really encourage us to think about, about where in your life is the spirit of, the divor of divorce taking root and, and, and what needs to be dealt with so that it is eliminated from our hearts and we can live in covenant faithfulness towards God and one another. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not just for married people. And you, yeah, hear that. That's a reiteration of. Uh, yeah, it sure did. Brought. Yeah. 
Yeah, brokenness just perpetuates whenever, whenever we walk in this way. So, um, yeah, we don't want to be a part of the problem. We want to be the solution. We're the church. That's who we've been called to be. I want to pray for us. And what we'll do is um, we'll, uh, we'll have our, our offering here in a minute. Um, but I want to open up just prayer time after this. And we'll, we'll sort of softly dismiss the service. But, but if you have prayer needs or if you feel like God's laid on your heart to pray for somebody this morning, I just want to encourage you to do that. Find people, pray for them. And, and let's pray that the Lord will strengthen us so that we will not be sucked down the hole that our world is being sucked down with regards to these things. With, I mean, adultery and, and marriage faithfulness, all these things, it's all related. Anger, I mean, all these things are related. We need to understand that the only solution is the gospel of Jesus Christ and that taking root in our heart. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you've given us your word. And Father, this is not about us so much as it is about you and your concern for us, Lord. We're so thankful that you, Lord, in all of your goodness and your grace and all of your, just your, your perfection, God, there is no spirit of divorce in you. There is no brokenness in you. There's no inequity. There's no injustice in you. And, you, and yet we are so riddled with it. And you looked at us and you said, hey, listen, that is so contrary to my character and I can't have that in my presence, but I just love you guys so much that I'm willing to be crushed in your place. Lord, we thank you for what you've done to bring us back to you. Help us, Lord, not to take that for granted. Help us to live lives which truly exemplify the power of Christ in us, but also that calls the world to this because everyone can experience this wholeness and fullness that we have in you. Everyone. You've called everyone to come to Christ and be saved. And you've said that no one who comes to Christ will be put to shame. So Father, I pray that you would help us and help us to thrive in this word today, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to the New Covenant Fellowship podcast. We want to connect with you. You can visit us online at ncfokc org for more information about our church. If God spoke to you and you'd like prayer, please text us at 405-518-5164 and we will get back with you. God bless and have a great day.